everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Lighthearted. My name is Anna. And my name is Bracey. And we're two average gals chatting about what it means to grow. How are you doing this week? I'm doing pretty good. I had a three-day weekend, which is always really nice because of MLK Day yesterday. And we had gone to Tillamook this weekend. And it was really fun. It was nice, relaxing. Yeah, so I feel like I'm just now kind of easing into the week. This is my Monday, which is... Never super fun, but it's going pretty well so far. That's fun. What about you? I'm good. I feel like we've had a really chill few days again with the three-day weekend. Yeah, it's just a weird time with COVID because there's not a whole lot to look forward to. I feel like right now, not a lot of like events or whatever. So we're just hanging out at home. Not a lot yeah. that's going on. Just kind of business as usual. Oh, yeah. Um, how have you been feeling lately? I've been good. I feel like I've been working with um, this coach, NLP practitioner person since October, and I feel like we're making a lot of headway recently, which is nice. That's exciting. Yeah, it's really great. Yeah, so that's always nice to just feel good. I feel like I just feel a lot better than I have in a while. So that's great. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. I feel like lately I've been getting into these like funky moments in the day. But it hasn't, like, taken over my whole day. Like, I've been able to get out of it. That's Um, good. Yeah. So that's been nice. How have you been growing this week? Well, I'm still working on my human design course. And I feel like, I don't know, I just really like studying things like that. And so it's nice to be able to kind of, like, feel productive but also do something that's fun for myself. Yeah. It's a good mix. Yeah. What about you? What's going on? Um, So I started reading... It Didn't Start With You, How Inherited Family Trauma Shapes Who We Are and How to End the Cycle by Mark Wolin, I think is how you say his last name. Um, That sounds like a great book. Yeah. And it's not super long, which I like, but I just started reading it last night and I've only read like 15 pages, but I already feel like it's going to change the way I see things. Like five times in the 15 pages, I was like, oh, Taylor, let me read you this part. This is really interesting. Oh, I love books like that. Yeah, I think it's going to be really good. Um, So it's this guy who has spent years researching how generational trauma like impacts who we are and the struggles that we have. And so the first chapter is him like telling his story of when he was in his mid 30s, he started to lose his vision and they like couldn't figure out. Well, they knew what was wrong, but they didn't know how to cure it. And so he like goes to maybe Indonesia. I can't remember now, but it was, he goes and like works with these gurus for like years trying to figure it out. And it's just a lot about how healing comes from the inside. And yeah, I I think it's going to be really good. I'm excited. That's really actually very fascinating because one of the things that I had just talked to my coach Debbie about is how our family ties can energetically impact our physical bodies Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. just like healing those generational traumas can actually physically heal your body. It's fascinating. Yeah. He talks some about his relationship with his mom and how it's always been pretty strained. And in trying to heal that, he discovers that when he was like two or maybe a little bit younger she had to be in the hospital for a while mm-hmm. um, for something like something medical that was going on with her. And that attachment was broken. 
because they weren't together when he was so little. And so then he stopped trusting her. And then in generations before him, there's been a lot of mothers that had been lost early in life. And so it's just interesting how it's like develops this lack of trust between them that needed to be healed for him to heal physically. So I don't know. Yeah, I think you would like it. It sounds really great. All right. Do you want to talk about self-care? I would love to. I'm always happy to talk about self-care. Well, what does self-care mean to you? I think it, for me, it's anything that fills you up either like physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, anything that gives you that. And I feel like it obviously looks totally different depending on the person. Yeah, that's pretty much it for me. I just feel like it's taking care of yourself in the ways that make the most impact, even if those ways are like hard or especially when you're not getting that type of care from other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think I've seen this as like a a graphic on Instagram a lot that self-care isn't selfish. And it really isn't. Like it's so hard, I think, to really internalize that, but it's so important. Yeah, totally. I I kind of struggle with self-care as a trend because I feel like it almost diminishes the importance of it. Mm-hmm. Especially when, especially when people are associating self care with bubble baths and face masks, like I have, I have a hard time with that. But you're right that self care is not selfish. And the thing that comes to mind, of course, is that analogy that people give where you have to put your oxygen mask on yourself first if the plane's going down to be able to help other people. You can't give from an empty cup. Totally. Why do you think self care has become like now? I feel like it's so trendy now. I do think it's born out of a necessity. Our society is we're so high stress right now that I feel like it's really necessary for people to take care of themselves. But I also think that we weren't really taught to put ourselves first, which makes it hard. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like it's because of our hustle culture. It was totally born out of necessity. And I know in like every single grad school class I had, we had at least one class that was dedicated to self-care. Really? Which totally makes sense because it's like, okay, we're learning about oppression and domestic violence and sexual assault and all these super heavy topics. But I do remember always feeling when those classes would come up like, okay, I get it. I need to be taking care of myself. Like, So I get why people are so turned off by it because it is such a trendy thing that – and like you said, like we weren't taught how to do this. And so I think it feels like it could be something that's so easily pushed aside if you're not dedicated to it. I also think that we just tend to simplify it like, oh, yeah, I need to take care of myself. I need to drink enough water. I I get it. But I think it's actually a lot more nuanced than that. And I think it's very specific by person what self-care looks like. Why do you think it is so difficult for people to take care of themselves? I think some people kind of feel like it's a gimmick or like a phase or even a trap. You know, like we talked a little bit in our last episode that people – get anxiety about taking the time to take care of themselves. And so I think it can be viewed as selfish to some people if they like don't truly understand it. Or I know when I've talked to people in education about self-care, their response can be that they like just don't have enough time or they can't figure out how to fit it into their schedule without letting other things fall through the cracks. And those other things that are primarily related to doing things for other people or getting things done for other people just are more important to them. Yeah. Yeah, I think the primary reason that I can think of is conditioning, which is exactly what you you said. It's like we expect people to put others first. And in doing that, we 
allow and actually encourage people to ignore their own needs, which is incredibly unhealthy. And I think in general, as a society, we tend to overburden ourselves anyways, like we're we're doing more things than we need to do. We're saying yes to things we don't actually want to do. And then we don't leave enough time for ourselves. And it's just really unhealthy. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I think that's why we're seeing that burnout and compassion fatigue are like at all time highs right now. Yeah. The other thing too, is I think a lot of people have trouble with the idea of being worthy of taking time for themselves. Like, oh, I'm not important enough, especially with people pleasing. Like I can be worthy by serving other people, but doing this for myself doesn't serve any purpose. Yeah. No, I can see that. One thing too, I was thinking about is that I feel like self-care is so targeted towards women. That's true. And I don't know if that's because like women tend to be in more caregiving roles and are usually the ones who like handle more of the domestic responsibilities and like child rearing and that type of thing typically and historically. Sure. But yeah, I don't know that I know a lot of guys who are like, oh yeah, this is what I do for self-care. Like I don't even know if they think about it. Yeah, I had never thought about that before until you just said that. And I think you're absolutely right. This, especially because self care, I think for them wouldn't necessarily look the way we think about it because we associate self care with a lot of like beauty routines, bath time, whatever. But I know that for Seb, his self care is alone time in video games. Like I can tell you that right now. I've never yeah. thought about it that way, but it absolutely is. Yeah. What about Taylor? That's a good question. I guess it's probably, yeah, just kind of introverted time. Like he is also a big bath taker. Sometimes we have to compromise on who gets the bath that night if we're trying to go to bed by a certain time. Wow. But yeah, I would say similarly, like, yeah, like playing video games on his phone or maybe going for a long walk and like listening to one of his favorite podcasts or something. But again, I don't think it's something he thinks about. I don't think he's like, I need to take care of myself and this is how I'm going to do it. Right. I think for Seb, he wouldn't characterize it as self-care, but he knows that he needs that alone time and he's not usually afraid to ask for it. Yeah. He just needs it. Right. I actually think that that's a way that each of us um, takes care of ourselves as we are pretty good about speaking up for our needs. I'm, I'm the same way. I need a lot of alone time too. So if I, if we've been around each other too much, I'll ask him for time by myself and he does the same that. thing for me. So <laughs> that seems like such a foreign concept to me because even if I know that I like need some time to be by myself or I need to just focus on myself, if somebody asks me to do something or like wants to be around me, I will throw that out the window in one second. Oh, Because I'm like, I have such a hard time saying no to people. And I'm like, well, if I say no, they'll think I hate them. Then they'll hate me. And then (laughs) those fun anxiety loops we were talking about last week. Absolutely. Well, I do think that it's a lot easier now in quarantine because there's so much time that it's like we've been together for... 20 out of 24 hours. So I don't feel so bad about those four hours that I'm not totally. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a great point. Yeah. Um, What are some of your self care routines? I don't, I wouldn't necessarily think of my quote unquote self care as a routine. I am not a routine person. I also I don't honestly think about it as like, self care that I have to do, if that makes sense. I think that Mm -hmm. I've just gotten good at reading my own moods and listening to my body and knowing what I need in the moment. So what self-care typically looks like for me are things like taking my vitamins, 
putting a heater on and getting in bed. Ooh, a heater. I love my heater. I love it so much. It has a timer and a like a temperature setting. It's fancy. Is it like a heated blanket or is it like a little mini heater? No, like a little mini heater. Okay. Also, with staying at home so much, one of the big ones for me is putting on a nice outfit with shoes. I think that putting, putting shoes on and getting your day started really makes a big difference energetically to me. Um, I love that because it is totally like you could just get up and go at any moment. I, it just makes me feel more productive, I think. I'm just ready. Yeah, ready for anything. Yeah. And then specifically for me, I feel like house stuff is sometimes really filling for me, like mm-hmm. crossing things off my list that I feel like I haven't done in a long time. Um, cleaning the kitchen. You're speaking to my heart right now, <laughs> marking things off a list. For real. And then even stuff like I had this chapstick for probably two years that I loved and I milked it because it was really expensive and I was just trying to, you know, save it for special occasions or whatever. Sure. And I looked at it the other day and I was like, this is stupid. This chapstick brings me joy. I'm just going to buy another one. And so I did. (laughs) That is not what I thought you were going to say when you started that sentence. (laughs) I love that. It's just these little simple pleasures in life. Yeah, for real. Well, now I want to know what the chapstick is. It's, I think it's called Fresh. It's rosé is the... Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see the label. Yeah, it's like a silver tube. It's incredible, but it's expensive. But I don't care. <laughs> you got to treat yourself, you know? know? That's the theme of this episode, especially. Well, so. I, think, I think for me, uh, one of the biggest self-care, and this is kind of, it kind of ties it together a few things I've said. It's important for me to get things off of my brain. So like instead of thinking about them over and over and over again to just clear that space in my brain. So like just not having to look at that chapstick and know that I was saving it, like just to have that off my brain is nice. And like crossing yeah. things off my list, they're they're not weighing on me anymore. And one of the other things I was going to say is um, letting go of my guilt is a big one for me because I tend to feel guilty about things and then it's hard for me to resolve that guilt. But if I can let it go, that just clears so much space in my brain and it really helps. That's a really good one that I think probably a lot of people benefit from, but I don't know that I would have ever classified that as self-care, but it totally is. Mm -hmm. One other one too that I was thinking about things that I would like to do for myself. And I know that related to house things, when we redo our bathroom, I really want heated tile floors. Like, really, really, oh, really. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. going to be a big self-care thing for me. I remember the first time that I stepped onto tile that was heated in a bathroom, and it, it truly was life-changing. I was like, I didn't think that this would be a big deal, but not feeling cold beneath your bare feet when you get out of the shower is is a such an amazing thing. So that's future self-care. Um, what about you? What's on your self-care list? I feel like the only thing, I mean, I feel like I thought of a couple things when you were saying them, but my biggest thing, which I've talked about on here before, is that I take a bath pretty much every day. And I totally agree with you that, yeah, self-care is not just bubble baths and face masks, but for me, it, it brings you joy, <laughs> which is fine, but it doesn't bring me joy. <laughs> exactly. And so it just feels like I'm giving time for just myself. And I love skincare in general. So I love to put on a face mask and like make my skin feel really nice. And I think my bath time is super sacred because it gives me time alone, gives me time to read or sometimes just like scroll on Instagram or Pinterest or just whatever I want to do. It's just like total downtime. And so that's definitely the thing that I do every day. I also think at the beginning of quarantine, 
my self-care was making a schedule for myself every day Mm -hmm. because I definitely am somebody that does better with a schedule and more of like a structured routine. And so I think to keep myself from being like, wow, every day is exactly the same and time doesn't exist anymore. Making myself a list every day of things I wanted to get done. And then like you said, like crossing them off, it's so satisfying. I think it's Um, really interesting too how you know that that's like the best thing that you could do for yourself, which I think is really the crux of self-care itself. And I think it's great that the two of us have such different self-care routines because I think it highlights how everybody is different. Mm -hmm. But I know that for me, if I had tried to put myself in a routine like that at the beginning of quarantine, it would have been very restrictive and felt very heavy to me. Yeah, it is really interesting to to talk through this and see how different we are and how the way that we operate is so different, but still... It accomplishes the same thing, which is to exactly. fill Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a perfect self-care day? Honestly, I don't think I do because I thrive on variety. So I think <laughs> I would rather kind of be surprised. But if I were to pull a few things for a perfect self-care day, I would probably include sleeping in, reading in bed, taking a really nice long shower, probably doing like an oracle card pull, and eating some really good food. Eating some really good food with people I love. I love that. That's a great day. What about your day? What's your perfect day? Well, I almost started laughing whenever you said like sleeping in and because my perfect day is waking up early. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. But without an alarm set, but just naturally waking up ideally around like 8 a.m. I am not a napper. And I don't like to sleep in because it makes me feel like I'm like wasting my day. Oh my Even God, though- I love a nap. <laughs> I, I love a nap. <laughs> Even though like, yeah, when other people nap, I'm not like, wow, they're wasting their time. Like, I don't feel like that at all. But I I just can't nap. Like, I might take one nap a whole- in a year. Wow. And that means I'm like completely exhausted. I mean, I support your decision, but I feel like you're missing <laughs> an opportunity. <laughs> yeah. So waking up kind of early going into a workout class. Obviously, that doesn't really happen in COVID times, but getting in like a really good workout early in the morning, I love because then I already feel like I'm being productive and then the workout is over and it's out of my mind. And then probably going to a spa for the whole day. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds fun. I can get behind that. Getting a massage, getting a facial, and then just getting to like read a really good book by a pool or in a hot tub or something like that. I love hot tubs because it's just like being in the bath, but in the of water course. never gets cool. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think hot tubs are way better than baths because baths get cold so fast. It's, it's their only flaw. Yeah. I will say I second you on the massage thing. I do love a massage. And also- I feel like that is another maybe trendy or cliche treat yourself type of self-care, but it really is so nice. The other thing, have you ever have you ever done a float tank? I haven't, but I would for sure. Okay. I got two coupons for a float tank from Seb for Christmas, and I am so happy. I love them. I went for the first time in the fall, and it was really great. How long were you in there for? An hour. Okay. Tell and us it, about the experience. Okay. So they give you an orientation when you go for the first time, but you like you shower off, then you get in the water, and it's filled with salt, so you float. like You float really easily. Um, it's totally enclosed, so it's, like, super dark. You can turn mm-hmm. on the lights in the water if you want for a little, like, light. Right. And then they play in the water. They play music that you select. 
Oh, you get to pick your own music? I mean, you know, it's like kind of calming music. There's just a few selections that you can do, or you can do it silent. Have you ever done the silent one? I haven't. But honestly, it was an incredible experience. I thought it was going to be like super long and very hard, but it wasn't when it went by really quickly. Okay. All right. Well, as soon as things open back up, I would totally go and do it. Seriously, it's so good. Um, Are there any typical self-care activities that don't fill you up? I know we've talked about you're not really a um, a skincare, take a bath type of self-care gal. Yeah, I would say those are the two that I really I, – I love a hot shower, but I'm just not one to sit in the bath. And it's not that I don't like skincare. It's that I just – maybe I don't like skincare. <laughs> We are coming to some big realizations on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I don't really like skincare. Every time I do a face mask, I think of you. And I think, wow, I'm doing myself such a service by doing this. And Anna would be proud of me. (laughs) What friendship. That makes me feel so happy. Um, I think for me, setting boundaries even though I like, I know that is self-care and I think ultimately if I did it more and got more comfortable with it, it would really be a form of self-care for me. But because right now it triggers so many of my fears that it doesn't feel like self-care. I think that is a really good one to bring up. Setting boundaries is so hard. And I think one of the things that I have, and maybe this is not an officially formed thought, but I think one of the things that I have done that has helped me with that is setting boundaries without actually having to sit down with somebody and have a conversation about it. Like I set the boundary Mm -hmm. in my mind. I get clear on what my requirements and expectations are. And then when they cross them, I just say no. Like I don't have to actually say you crossed a boundary. I just say no. Or like I make not an excuse, but like I give a reason why you know yeah that's helped me because it doesn't seem so scary to do that yeah that makes sense and I think too I there have been so many times in my past when and I definitely still do this but if I think that somebody is going to ask me to do something and I don't want to do it I have to have reasons prepped already in my brain like a go-to thing that I'm going to say if they do ask because otherwise I'll just say yes yeah And so I guess maybe that is some form of like setting a boundary, but it just feels, I feel like if I don't have a legitimate reason to not do something, then I should do it. Yeah, I I totally get that. And I feel like coming up with those reasons is almost mitigating your anxiety about it, which is probably fine, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. I'll ask my therapist. (laughs) Um, But I think... For example, one of the ways that I have set boundaries in this way is when we were kind of struggling with COVID and what to do and what not to do, I literally wrote out a statement about what I would be willing to do and what I would not be willing to do. And then when people come to me and ask me to do something, if it crosses that line, then I say no. And I don't I feel like I don't have to be guilty about that because I had already made that promise to myself. And to Seb, because I do think that that's something that we had to decide on together. And it's easier for me to be like, I'm sorry, we're not going to do that. Yeah, I I really love that. I wish that Taylor and I had done something like that because I think in this quarantine, we have had varying levels of comfort with certain things. And 
you know, the couple weeks before we flew home to North Carolina, he was like, okay, I'll feel better if we like don't see anybody for the two weeks leading up to getting on a plane, like basically pre-quarantining from the plane, right? which logically totally makes sense. But every time that like one of my friends here would text and say, hey, do you want to do something? I, of course, wanted to do it because I wanted to see people, but also felt like saying no would make them mad at me. And Mm -hmm. so I would have to say no, but I would be so upset about it, like crying and like kind of irritated at Taylor, even though. I mean, even though it's just a boundary he set. Yeah, exactly. It was a boundary that he had set and I had already known about it, but it I realized, though, in that, that it was like triggering these fears of like, oh, my friends aren't going to want to hang out with me anymore because I'm saying no to this one thing or they're going to think I'm silly or I'm overreacting. But every time they weren't like they were like, oh, my gosh, of course, that totally makes sense. Like, do you think that that helped you feel more comfortable saying no? Or do you think that those fears are still just as bad? I think they will be good experiences to look back on when I feel those things again of like, okay, this has happened before. You had to say no, and they're still your friends. Yeah. And so I think they were like good experiences to have. But yeah, I mean, I don't think it's like totally gone. But I think it was a good realization for me because I hadn't connected those two things. Yeah. It's tricky too, I think, just specific to these types of boundaries because I feel like you almost have to go with whichever partner is more conservative because Mm -hmm. you can't separate your your exposure to the other person, you know? Yeah, definitely. What would you say is most difficult about prioritizing your self-care? I think for me, it's making time for it. I mean, I think every night I'll take a bath and that can be, even if it's like one in the morning, I'll do it. Like I won't go to bed without it. <laughs> but I think sometimes self-care for me too can be having no plans. Oh yeah. And just having no obligations. So I think if... I'm totally prepared to just like lay on the couch all night and watch TV and order in some good takeout. If somebody texts me and wants to do something, I will, I'll do it because, you know, I've, as I've talked about a little bit already, it's like fear of letting people down or just saying no. And so it's definitely hard for me to prioritize myself and my needs over others just in general. That makes sense. What about for you? I feel like the hardest part for me is remembering to do it. So Mm. like I said, I don't necessarily think about these things as routines. So I have to keep an eye on whether I need to give myself something or other. And remembering to think about it is the hardest part for me. Yeah. The other thing too that we didn't really touch on, I don't think this is an issue for either of us much, but uh, there are a lot of people who struggle with making time for self-care And my thoughts on that are, it's important to have a list or a set of things that you can do that aren't necessarily time related things like lighting a candle or putting on a good playlist while you're washing the dishes or, you know, little things like that, they don't actually have to take you any additional time. Yeah, that's a really good point. Because I feel like the reason that most people don't do it is because yeah, they're like, I don't have time for that. It doesn't have to be an extra activity in your day. It can just be infusing what you do with a little extra care. Yeah, that's a really good point. All right. Well, now that we are kind of coming to a close on this episode, is there anything you're going to do today to practice self-care? I am planning on drinking a bunch of water because I do know that I haven't had enough today and having something 
um, good to eat for dinner because I feel like I haven't eaten regularly and well enough in the past few days. And see, that's a great example of like little things that you can do that don't take up a ton of extra time in your day. True. Just little things. I think I'm going to have a really nice cup of coffee this afternoon because I'm feeling a little sleepy. Oh, that's a good point. One of my favorite self-care things is making tea for myself in the morning. That's like the best. What kind of tea do you make? I love English breakfast and I make loose leaf. So I have a little red teapot and it makes two cups of tea and it's like the best little morning routine. (laughs) It's great. I know you guys can't see her, but she is grinning ear to ear right now about this tea. I love tea. All right. Well, thank you everyone so much for listening to our self-care episode. I hope that this brings you self-care to listen to us talk about (laughs) (laughs) self-care. And (laughs) if you want to email us and share your self-care routines, we would love to hear them. Our email is likeheartedpodcast at gmail.com. And feel free to follow us at likeheartedpod on Instagram. Talk to you next week. Bye.